Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Little Light Devotions. I really appreciate you tuning in today. A lot has happened since the last time I've been around. I have graduated from Pensacola Christian College with my Bachelor's of Arts in Bible Pastoral Ministries, and I am super thankful to God for that. It has been a ride, to say the least, dealing with uh, that place. But it is over, and I am super thankful for it, and I'm super thankful for the opportunity that I had uh, to study there and to, to learn a lot and just to get my degree so I can really launch out into ministry. I'm super thankful for that, and uh, my fiance and I have an apartment around Baltimore, Maryland, and we're working at our home church back from where we grew up, and we're getting married soon. It's just, it's all a lot of fun. But today's topic is not so much fun. Today's topic is a serious topic that I, I would say most, if not everybody, has dealt with before. You know, I'm wondering how many of you listening have been depressed before. And I'm not just talking about sad, you know. I'm not saying, oh, you've been, you've been a little sad. I'm talking about genuinely defeated, hopeless. Have you ever had like that mood, that feeling, that air of hopelessness? It becomes your reason for not handling important issues in life. I'm sure most, if not every single one of you listening, have had that before at some time in the past. But that's not the way we're meant to live. We are meant to live free of that vice of depression, but we often need help to overcome it. God wants you to overcome depression. And a lot of times I get the question, you're like, how can I do that? The things that I go through, the things that I see, how can I overcome this? First things first, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And I know, I, I know that you hear Romans chapter 8 when it comes to depression and folks immediately get like kind of triggered, but just hear me out, okay? Romans chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 18, all right? Not verse, not verse 28, verse 18, where it says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You need to acknowledge the reality of depression. It says right there, for I consider the sufferings of this present time. Sufferings are real. And I don't know what you're going to as you listen through your busted Apple earpods out of your iPhone 4. But you only know what is perpetually putting your soul in agony. And whatever it is, it's real. You know, so often I see online people try to like delegitimize each other's feelings because somebody might, you know, have it harder. There's time to recognize when a person might be acting spoiled, you know. But there could be an instance where just pains of life come in every flavor to every person. For instance, a family could be dealing with like the financial struggles of preparing to have a child, right? Whereas another family could just be dealing with not being able to get pregnant at all. Obviously, the one of the families has, quote-unquote, better circumstances, but the trials in these circumstances can be totally real. Here's another real-life example. Uh, I just mentioned that my fiancé and I both graduated from Pensacola Christian College. And we graduated, and we have to deal with the debt that comes from that. You know, we were not able to pay our way through totally. We had to get some debt, right? Dave Ramsey would be really upset with us. So we have to deal with paying this back now that we're out of college. Nevertheless, P PCC gave two degrees in memoriam to a freshman and a sophomore that passed that passed away within the past year. 
One of them died over summer, and one of them died over Thanksgiving break. It's easy to see how that family has it worse than I do. And it's okay to recognize that. But my problems can still be legitimate problems. Don't let others take away from the reality of your hurt, even if to them it doesn't measure up. And I'm not saying this to at all bring down the severity of losing two young souls. But I've seen it too many times and heard it too many times that people try to be like, yeah, well, you have this and well, well, my family does that and that's just more traumatizing and this is more painful and this is more that and, and it's like the oppression Olympics. I get it. Everybody has problems, but everybody also has problems. Be acknowledge the fact that you got some problems. You can't move past it if you don't. Hurt, depression, sorrow, sadness, it's all very, very real. So acknowledge the reality of it, but acknowledge the fact that you don't suffer alone. Look at verse 19. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. And at verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. However much you suffer, you will never suffer alone. Every part of creation hurts with you and longs for the day that there is no pain. Here it talks about, you know, the the revealing of the sons of God. And that simply is talking about the glorification of believers in the end times that's found in the book of Revelation. talks about the, the Thessalonians, things like that. Humanity will be restored to like how it was before Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden. Things will be perfect again. All believers and all of creation are hurting and striving in this life with you while we wait for that great day to come. There are millions of believers who are hurting with you right now. Reach out to one another. Encourage one another. Check on that sad friend. Check on that happy friend. Check on each other. Don't let someone's, you know, clout or lack thereof stop you from checking in on one another. People need each other. You don't need to suffer alone. Hey, acknowledge the reality of depression. Acknowledge that you don't suffer alone. And acknowledge that suffering is just a part of life. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also would be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Suffering is a part of life. Does, does acknowledging this necessarily take away from the pain right away? No, no. But it can give hope for later. Hope. Creation was subjected to futility. But it's subjected to futility in hope that this creation will once again be redeemed. Suffering is just a part of this earthly life. And this does not just stop at us. I mean, when God came down in the person of Jesus Christ, he suffered. Jesus Christ was a man just like you and me. He was not just like the only white guy in the Middle East that had this constant glow around him. He looked just like every person around that time. He looked just as basic as you or me. And with that came every benefit and disadvantage of humanity. You know, he got to eat good food. He experienced temporal relationships. He built this massive community of believers that we now call the church. But like I said, it came with the disadvantages of being human. He suffered sorrow. 
Like in the, in the English Bible, the shortest verse in the English Bible is John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. It's so short, but it carries so much comfort in it. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, felt sorrow. He hurt with people around him. He suffered physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. He was under spiritual attack very often. And yet he overcame all of that when he died on the cross and rose again. And if you're a believer, you can overcome it too. It may not fix every problem to sit down and remind yourself of this truth, but it can give you the strength you might need to call upon God for help when you know you can't handle these issues. Hey, acknowledge also that if you're saved, you have hope. Verse 23, not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he has already seen? For if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Ultimately, this hope in Christ only comes if you're saved. Simply being saved doesn't free you from suffering, but it gives you a hope in the suffering. What do the unsaved have to hope with or hope on? Temporal things like money or power? That's, that's meaningless. Once you die, you die. It's over. It goes with you. And once the unsaved die, things get much worse for them. You know, they may think it all just goes dark, but we are told in Scripture what happens to unsaved people when they die without their sins being atoned for. And even if there was nothing else after we die, does that not give any hope for the unbeliever in and of itself? How miserable of a life is that? A life full of sorrow for sorrow's sake and then it's just all over? No hope? But hope, that's the truth of the Bible. Hope for you as an individual and hope for the entirety of the world. If you, if, if as a believer, you live this life and absolutely nothing ever goes right for you and everything is always only sorrow, you still immediately get ushered into the presence and the comfort of God after death. You immediately get repaid for all your good works and sorrows on earth and your sufferings will not be made for nothing. If you're saved, you have hope. You have hope. So here are some practical things that we can do to actually overcome this depression. After acknowledging these realities, here are, the thing, here are some ways that we can get victory in Christ over depression, right? Verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Hey, pray. Pray. I'm, PCC is, is a Baptist, independent Baptist college, right? And uh, starting July 1st, I will be working at Rosedale Baptist Church. I would be working for their, their school, Rosedale Christian Academy. Uh, but I feel like in Baptist circles, prayer is not so focused on as it should be. A lot of times people are, especially um, in Reformed Baptist circles, that's not the that's not the camp where I come from, but it's, it's a camp that I, I have a lot of friends in. Uh, people are about just studying and studying the Bible and just knowing what every little thing in the Greek says, and that, that's awesome. That's wonderful, and God's Word is 
perfect and powerful for every aspect of Christian life. But here's what God's word tells us. It tells us to be people of prayer. It tells us to pray always, give always like a thanksgiving uh, to prayer. Always have these words of God mum- like muttering in our hearts, knowing the word of God and praying through it. We need to be people of prayer. Sometimes we get told by, by teenagers, you know, hey, Andrew, like I really want to start praying, but I don't know how to. And I, I, I love the question. I love the, I love the, uh, the comment because, you know, there's not like a prescribed formula given in the Bible as to how to pray. But here's what helped me, and I actually learned this from Jeff Redlin at uh, Campus Church that's connected to Pensacola Christian College. So for each day, I have like a different category of things that I pray through, and it's all in my notes app uh, on, my, on my iPhone and my iPad. But I pray for different things, and as things come up, I write them down into what category they're in. And I just pray through those lists every day. And then, like, I have a daily list for things that are, like, really important and personal for me that I pray for on a daily basis. And I pray for two of those lists, like, every day, the daily and the whatever day it is. And I'd all keep it on my phone, my iPad. I can pull it up at any time. And that's just what works for me. And it it might not work for you. So you need to experiment. You need to try something new, but at least try something, you know? So often we get overwhelmed with choices that we choose nothing at all. And that's kind of like, uh, I can't remember what the thing of it. There's like some scientific term for it that came about with, with Netflix and YouTube sort of really kicking off. You know, the the uh, the amount of choice is just too great for the human mind to really actually be able to wrap itself around and like select something. And it's kind of like that with prayer. You know, there are so many ways we can bring our requests to God, but we just need to do it. And here's the best thing. We don't need to know like what exact words to pray. The power of your prayer is not in the words you use. I've heard some people pray using like the King James English with like the these and the thous and stuff like that. Listen, praying like the King James translation doesn't make God hear your request more. The power of your prayer is not in your words, but it is in his name. We are not doing magic spells and getting things done in our power, but we are lifting our prayer to God in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit that resides in every believer takes this prayer to God and delivers it perfectly in a way we never could. Don't get caught up by fancy-dressed people in fancy church buildings that say, you have to pray like this or hold this and say this and do this. No, it's not your words, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit of God that makes your prayer effective. So pray and do good to others. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Another thing Christians can do to combat depression is doing good things. You know, you you need to get involved at your local church. If there's ways to serve, go and do it. Children's ministry, security, cameras, janitorial, whatever. Do stuff. And do stuff out in the world, too. Give a homeless guy a meal. Share the gospel with him. Give him a tract. Pay for someone's coffee. Tell them they look nice. Just do something good. If you sit there and fester in that, that, that sorrow that's in your heart, you have no chance of overcoming it. And these good deeds don't return void. The Bible says that if you do good deeds with a pure heart, you add rewards in heaven for you. You can get some medal from the president or mayor or school board for your good deeds, but you'll die one day and its value will die with you. You won't die in the presence of the Father in heaven, though, and all your rewards in heaven will last forever. 
verse 29, it says that he predestined us to be conformed to good works. God predestined every Christian to do good works. There is something good we are called to do that brings God glory. And if he's predestined us for it, he gives us the power to do it. Step out on faith and do some good works. So with all that being said, here are some like super practical extra biblical tips that you all can incorporate as we wrap up this podcast episode for you uh, for you when you get into rough times. All right. First of all, get more sleep. The biggest thing that caused my depression for years throughout college was my abysmal sleep schedule. It wasn't until my literal last semester that I like tried to fix this. So I'm, I'm imploring you, put down the phone, take up the headphones, go to bed. All right. Getting between seven to eight hours of sleep is a genuine necessity for psychiatric longevity. Number two, get counsel. Get spiritual counsel through the church and visit Christian-based therapists who can help you work through different traumas and hard times. Number three, deal with sin. So often people feel there is this gap between them and God while they are in this depression, and often that's true. Whether it's something like an addiction or bitterness or whatever else, these things can put a strain on the relationship you have with God, and that can lead to depression. Number four, exercise. You don't have to be some bodybuilder that's super addicted to snorting lines of pre-workout, but go and take a walk, you know? Put some care into your physical health. Number five, eat right. I'm not saying you have to throw away Chick-fil-A altogether, but if you eat like crap, you're going to feel like crap, and that's just science. So before we end, look back at verse 30 with me. It says here that Jesus justifies and will ultimately glorify those who are called. God calls every single one of us to be saved. He wills that every single person does not perish but comes to repentance. Repentance is a funny Bible word that simply means to change your mind. Romans 3.23 says that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says that this falling short, this sin, brings the wage of death. And that's not just a physical death, but an eternal spiritual separation from God in hell. But Romans 6.23 also says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. This life is gained by answering the call. And like how Acts 16.31 Acts 16, says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You answer the call by your faith, by your belief. Change your mind. Repent from thinking that you can get to heaven by good works. Change your mind. Repent from thinking that God isn't real or doesn't care about you. He loves you so much. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place so that your death that was talked about in Romans 6.23 is not yours to bear. But he also rose again conquering this death, and you can conquer that death too if you believe, if you have faith. If you're struggling with that belief, that faith, reach out to me over over Instagram. And my contact information will be, you know, in the uh, end credits. That The end credits. I don't know how I'm supposed to call it. Whatever it is, you know what I'm talking about. Reach out to me. We can talk about that. Hey, listen, God wants you to overcome depression. He loves you and hates to see you ever in a depressive state. He wants to help you overcome it. You can overcome it. You're not the only person in the entirety of human history where God looks at you and goes, well, we can't get them all. No, you absolutely can be helped in the sorrow. For some people like myself, that feeling of depression is much harder to shake. It, it lingers and it looms. I totally get it. But you are a person that still can overcome it. 
Not because you are powerful and you have the strength in your own, you gotta dig inside yourself. No, but because you have a powerful God that works through you that has spoken the universe into existence. If he can do that, he can help you overcome depression. You were meant to overcome sin and depression through the power of Jesus Christ. But are you gonna let yourself have that chance? Thank you so much for tuning in to Little Light Devotions. If you'd like to find all my social media locations, podcast locations, voice acting work, and much more, please head over to linkapp.com slash AC underscore LL. That's L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot com slash AC underscore LL. Thank you. God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you next time.